This podcast is part of the OIW Podcasting Network. Disclaimer, the voices and opinions from this podcast do not represent the teams or organizations employing the host or special guests. The OIW Podcast Network and Ultai Energy proudly present to you the Mascot Support Group Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Mascot Nation. Welcome back to the furriest and the fuzziest show on the web. This is the Mascot Support Group Podcast. I am one of your hosts, JMB, from the beautiful Lone Star State of Texas. And, of course, joining me are my co-hosts, as always, Charlie, Lucas, Crystal, Irvin, and tonight's special guest, Houston, we got a problem. Join us tonight is the former handler of the reigning and defending mascot of the World Series champion, Houston oh. Astros. Ladies and gentlemen, Oscar, how you doing tonight, bro? Good evening, guys. Thanks for having me. This is uh been looking forward to this. I love the Braves. <laughs> <laughs> I remember them from the regular season. Yes. The Braves the one again. So this is it, one we've been working on for a few months. Yeah. Um, and like I know when I met Oscar for the first time during a spring training game on the ballpark in the Palm Beaches, I was like, this dude has the best mustache in the game. Like yeah. literally, like that is his thing. The mascots may have their thing, but handlers should have their own thing as well. So his was the mustache. His signature mustache. So and also the best, and out of all this, the best beard in the podcast. <laughs> this so. is my off-season beard, but but when I was with the Strohs, oh. it was it was purely mustache. Uh, it was definitely double the fur in the locker rooms because of Orbit and I. Uh, the mustache didn't help. Chardonnays <laughs> were a nightmare. <laughs> so, um, for those first time listening. Or watching our podcast, when we have our special guests, we like to start from the beginning and work the way to the current projects that they have. Right. And and there's no exception on this one. Right. So because you told us a few interesting things before we started recording. So I'm gonna let Crystal start it off because she's the one that um got you to come join us this evening. That's right. We have a, a mutual friend and Jeff Woodrow whom I met uh, on the circus, and that's where it started. Yep. Uh, he was nice enough to connect us uh, when I got back here to Texas as well. Um, mm -hmm. And so with that, let's talk about first what prompted you. I mean, did you you went to clown school, right? You went yes. to San Francisco clown school? I attended San Francisco Circus Center, which has a program called, at the time, it's called the, uh, the Clown Conservatory. And uh, I, I grew up in a little town in Texas called Laredo. It's a border town down south. And um, I know I wanted to perform, but it's little towns in Texas sometimes don't have a lot of performing opportunities. And I found out about a circus school in San Francisco. It was one of the, one of the only one of its kind at, at the time uh, called uh, the Clown Conservatory. So saved up money one summer, uh, actually for a whole year, I saved up money, 
because I had to move out of state and I moved to San Francisco. And for a year, I just, I shit, breathe and eat circus. Uh, and then I learned with the best from all over the world. I learned uh, all kinds of theater exercises, body movement, which would come into help later on, of course. And then I learned a lot about uh, communication and hospital clowning and the ability to tell a story without, you know, using words, which again would come in very much handy later. Um, Cause most clowns are our number one job is entertain people here and now. And how can you tell a story and tell a joke and be the joke? So I studied for a year, uh, 2006, 2007. And then um, after that, I came to San Antonio where I'm living now to do other various odd jobs. I was working at haunted houses. I was working at restaurants. I was working at performance dinner theater. I was working at a place called uh, Dick Slash Resorts where the servers are rude and sassy. And, and that got me really good at my improv because you had to deal with drunk people all night and how to be funny and how to handle situations, which Whoa. again, would come into help very, very, very um, utilitarian wise later on in my career. And then I jumped on the big show. I got a contract in 09 to be part of Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus, where I lived and performed all over the country, lived on a train for five years, played with elephants, went to every city, performed with international performers, um, and just nonstop. You were in a different city every week. The circus years were, like, were some of the best of my life. I learned so much, and I got very tough on there because you have to be tough to to live in a room on a train that's five feet by eight feet and get paid 300 bucks a week and put on makeup every day and do two to three shows a day um, that are two hours each and keep performing and then jump on the train, get to the next city and unload and get ready and do the show, pack up, take off. So it was, um, it was an adventure for sure. And I learned a lot. I jumped off the train in Vegas to uh, after five years. And then I lived in Vegas for five years where I went once again, worked at Dick's Dodge Resort, this time on the Las Vegas trip. So there wow. I got to perform for all kinds of people that were, because that's like tourist central. Entertainment capital mm -hmm. of the world. I got to hang out with other magicians. I got to hang out with the jugglers, with other performers, with other sideshow people. And again, I just got involved with that community. After five years, I got so does, include Cirque, does include Cirque du Soleil. Yes. I have a lot of nice. friends in Cirque. So a lot of those people, you know, always say there's six degrees of circus and everything. Um, so I would hang out with Cirque friends too and uh, Blue Man Group. And, you know, just nice. uh, I, I just got to rub elbows with all those people. And then I got homesick. So I was like, let me come back to Texas. When I was coming back to Texas, uh, the, the backup Spurs Coyote called me because i worked with him for a hot minute when i was in san antonio too um he saw me perform at a birthday party <laughs> he said i need that guy as an assistant so i kind of had my my you know as we know mascot as well as a, is a very small community very tight-knit one um he called me up and he was like hey man are you coming back to texas and i went yeah and he goes there's a guy in houston who can really use someone like you he gave me orbit's number we called we talked we interviewed and i spent the next five years from 2017 sorry, 2018 to last year with the, the Houston Astros, where I got to be part of a lot of monumental things and got to do a lot of cool stuff and got to perform for a lot of people, got to go to a lot of schools, empower a lot of kids. Um, got my hands on a couple of uh, championship rings for, for being part of the team and being a crucial part of the team, which is the entertainment part. 
um, where we do school shows in the morning, games at night, nonstop, and we work pretty hard ourselves. And uh, now relocated back to San Antonio. Here we are. And let it be known that the first time, the first ever championship ring you got was the first year you worked with the Astros. <laughs> yeah, I, I joined to a little bit after they won the World Series ring, so I didn't get that ring, but oh. I did get the most recent one uh, where we got the World Series. But then I have the American League championship rings too. He, have you he got the real the one? Ring what, what 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 he's trying to tell you is he has the real one. He doesn't have the tainted one. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let's be known that. I I represented a team that beat the Astros last year. No, that beat the Astros in twenty one. Okay, so that was a big year. I was like, you you said Vegas, yeah, and you said you left Ringling Brothers in 09? Uh I joined Ringling Brothers in 09. I was there for five years. Yeah, I was I was living in Vegas from two thousand eight to twenty ten. Really? So. So that's yeah. probably what you might have seen if you went to go see the circus, you might have seen me. <laughs> hey, hey, we did see the circus. We did see the circus at the Orleans Arena. Yes. Then I so, then you probably saw me. That is crazy. And I'm like, telling you, six degrees of circus <laughs> and everything. <laughs> were you blue unit the entire time you were there? Say again. Were you blue unit the entire time? Or I'm, did you so I'm you? one of I'm one of four clowns. Uh, in, in history that holds the title of uh, what we call a, a glittery purple clown. So I was in the blue show, the red show, and the gold show that got to do the smaller shows and they traveled by convoy. So I got to be on all three shows at one point and I got to be one of the few clowns that have done all three shows. Oh, so, awesome. Yeah. I actually did not know that the Ring of Us had like different groups. So they have a red show and a blue show so that they 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 uh so that, that way they can hit every city around the same time of the year with a different show. And okay. uh the owner of, of Ringling, Kenneth Feld, is very good buddies with Vince McMahon. So you'll notice there's a correlation between Ringling having a red and a blue show and WWE having SmackDown and Raw, a red show and a blue show that also tours simultaneously. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It's, it's pretty common with Man. larger shows. In the entertainment industry, um, you'll have yeah. multiple units because, that way you can cover more. Than- exactly. Because I know Trans-Siberian Orchestra, they have two two casts, the East Coast and the West Coast. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Holland have multiple casts yep. all over the country and international. Yeah. Also owned by Feld. So. Uh, and Glenn is not nice. <laughs> Yeah. So when you went to the more than once, no way. When you went, to, <laughs> when you oh went my to the God, were you like? Yeah, that, 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 that was not with them by Feld Entertainment. That's right. Sorry, Crystal. They own no, a no, lot. Feld owns a ton. Yeah. <laughs> um, when you went to the Clown Conservatory, as someone who didn't really come up in the circus or around that, what yeah. surprised you or like what? Were you surprised at all what you learned there or what do you, what was the hardest as, I, I let's was, say, a civilian? <laughs> I was very surprised because I went there thinking I was going to learn how to juggle and how to put on makeup. I thought I was going to just go learn a bunch of technical stuff. And then when I got there, we were doing all these theater exercises. So when I got there, I was like, why are we doing all these mind movements? Why are we doing all this body movement stuff? Why are we doing... I, I, was, I was just checked out. I, I was not... 
it was a little too cerebral for me at the time. And, and I just didn't get it. And I was getting very frustrated. And I remember halfway through the year, they were breaking down the different types of clowns, which were like base, you know, in a nutshell, a goose, white face and character. A goose and white face were the ones that really um, are used in a lot of comedy contros, especially in mascotting. So in a goose is usually, you know, big white smile, big goofy eyes, you know, kind of like a Lou Jacobs, very basic character. But a white face is the character that has solid white and European clowning. The white face is the straight man. And the goose is the goof off. The goose is only funny because the white face is playing the straight man and vice versa. We see that in mascotting all the time. The mascot is the goose and the white face is whoever they're messing with. So we were doing this exercise and I was just like, I don't get it. And they're like, as an goose, your status is lower. And I'm like, I don't get it. And they're like, well, if you're playing off of a white face, you know, just play. And I'm like, I don't get it. And then finally, they were like, just act like yourself. And I went, fine. So I just acted like myself and we we're doing a, a routine on stage and everyone started laughing and I was just kind of being myself and goofing off, kind of playing dumb and, you know, acting kind of like a fool. And they were like, there it is. You're doing it. You're, you're clowning. And I went, oh, so we, it's us times a hundred. Fast forward to mascotting and, and when I would see mascots and I was like, yeah, that's, that's what that is. When, when you put on that suit, it's you times a hundred. And then it's just, you, there's this, there's this, um, your inhibitions are lifted because now you have, you know, a, a suit that makes you anonymous and it makes you feel empowered. And that's kind of a lot how the makeup and the, and the nose is. It's, it's this little mask that can, you know, just lift your inhibitions. In fact, the reason the clown has a red nose, it's symbolic of inebriation, a drunkard who just acts a fool. So there's a lot of correlations that I saw between mascotting and clowning, which are kind of the same thing in a way when I joined the Astros. So uh, Charlie has a really interesting perception and, and view about how mascots are really connected to lots of other performers. You know, uh, so we have, a, we have a whole variety of guests that come on here. And even yeah. as a performer myself, I, I, I didn't, I guess I didn't really see the correlation as much to some of the other, like wrestling and puppetry. We have a puppeteer that is a, a common host on this podcast and we draw, yeah. Charlie's, we'll get it drawing all the correlations. You know, it's not just mascots, the it's the dots, a bigger concept. Dots and bring everything together. Yeah. Guys, yeah. we have cosplayers. Yeah. We have mascots. We have entertainers. We have puppeteers. Like, like some puppeteers. So we all end together. And we're all entertainers. People don't realize all in the entertainment business. I said right. something a while back. Like, I may call myself the mascot dude, but it also has another meaning to it. The mascot dude is your silly side inside you. Everyone yeah. has it. You can be a mascot yes. dude or a mascot dudette. All you have to do is dig in, grab it out, and let it let it go. And yeah. you can no also pun intended. Oh, mascot dudette. So, it's uh, very much wrong, element, Charlie. Right. Correct me that? if I'm wrong. Is Oscar our first clown? Yes. Oh, Oscar's our first clown. Wait, like, like I was gonna say, we, we, we were gonna to try to get Bella Knox, but we know how busy he is. Yeah, he's very, very bad well, busy guy. 
Uh, I know him personally, and even I don't see him that much. <laughs> <laughs> so, but Bella uh, knows everybody. Bella knows everybody. Yes. I kind of wanted to touch on an interesting topic here because okay. you spent so many years as a clown, and mm-hmm. I just wanted to get a little bit of your perspective on this personally. Okay. Um, social media trends are things that are very common in today's environment with mascots and other types of performers. Um, But there was one in particular that affected clowns. And that was the whole evil clown trend that was going on in 2017, where people would pop up all over the place and evil clowns. And, and I I saw some newscasts who were, who were in clown businesses and clown schools, how it was affecting their businesses so i just wanted to get your personal perspective on that well jay that's been going on for years i mean even when i was on the road we would do this thing during the show uh, an hour before the show started we would do what was called um the pre-show adventure and it's basically where if you came with your ticket an hour before the show started if you walked around on the floor you could be on the floor and you could you know see um different acts up close you can meet the performers get autographs um we handed out clown noses you got little temporary tattoos it was very interactive it was really fun it was very very fun and it never failed uh at least once every pre-show and it's a lot of shows a year um in a lot of cities we would have someone come up and be like can you come scare my kids or hey can you can you come scare my sister and that always, it was definitely a bummer because, you know, you're not there to do that, uh, at least not in that sense, not in that context, not in that scope. It's not why I'm there. I'm there. I was there to make people laugh. But I mean, it, it never failed. It was, it, that's, that's been going on for a long time. And, and that has roots in just history in general, the way we are as a society. Um, society tends to do this thing and I'm a horror fanatic. I love horror movies. I love horror genres. I love special effects. There's something about to be said about when you write a good horror film, you, you start with what is something people love and how can I make it scary? And back in the fifties and sixties, it wasn't the case with clowns. Clowns were, you know, authentically used to sell products and, um, push products and advertising and whatnot. And at some point there were, someone was just like, well, let's just make that scary. So it's not really anyone's fault and it's just what people do. And it doesn't help that there was also a lot of, uh, you know, there was a freaking serial killer who would use clown makeup, John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> he would, you know, use that makeup to, to, to hurt people. So whether it's history or whether it's movies or whether it's culture, that's just, and also let's not lie, as, as we progress as society and, and technology becomes different and, and we do get a little bit smarter, things that don't look normal are very scary there are people that are scared of mascots and i think in both cases it's something as primal as i don't see a human so that's scary i don't see a person so that's freaky and that's what makes people scared i made it a point for my makeup and i guess i should have sent you a photo of me in makeup i don't have one i don't have one on my person but there was um it's very it's i kept my makeup as simple as possible red nose white lip white hair a little bit of black mascara that was it i kept it as human as possible i didn't have a clown voice i didn't have a clown name um there's some clowns that do that doesn't help a lot (laughs) when when you're trying to be actually communicative and try to make connection with someone in the audience and make them laugh and smile and give them wonder so um 
so yeah, it, it, that's been around for a long time. And this is something that you go as an artist, you don't say, well, movies did that or society or, you know, people think mascots are scary. It's not, it's just the times. Times are dictated by art and art dictates times. So you, as an artist, we have to, as a performer, we have to ask ourselves, how do I start with the times? How do I adapt? How That's our challenge. That was our challenge during 2020. How do we still entertain people through this little magic screen? So as artists, we have to challenge ourselves and get with the times and go, what is our challenge? Not, not what's our problem, not what's our obstacle even, but what's our challenge? Because we can do it. It's just a challenge. And Charlie, you know, you and me, um, we know exactly what it's like to, you know, face a little bit of adversity ourselves because you and me were Chuck E. Cheese performers uh, for a while. And no, I cannot... I, I'm not. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So I, I can't. I, I cannot tell you the amount of times I've had somebody come up to me and ask me if I kill people uh, just because of the whole Five Nights at Freddy's thing. Oh. I cannot stand those types of games. I, I, I cannot stand the culture and the community. Uh, I feel personally it has ruined our business and it is the reason why the animatronics are dead right now is because yeah. of games and that. people like that. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's, so you totally get it, yeah. Also, also there's something, there's something called the Banana Splits movie, which, kind of, which in a way kind of feels like Final Fantasy Fridays, but with Banana Splits attached. And again, or that's, a or, that's a great reflection of someone going what's this wholesome thing and how can we make it scary? I mean, for a while, there was a series of horror movies where kids were freaky. And I know people who are terrified of children. And it's not so much the movies, but I mean, it, that there's something to be noticed about what is something innocent? Let's make a series of movies on it because that's Annabelle. our like, society. Annabelle, Let's see. The um, Orphan. The uh, Ring, um, Children of the Corn, I think. And I, yeah. it, when I, when I sneezed, I, I, I said Stephen King because you mentioned clowns are scary. It. That's the one we always got. That's the one we always got. And it, and again, I don't hate it. It's just it's unfortunate that that's that we become the catalyst for that. But I mean, I, I saw the new it with a bunch of other circus clowns, and we were all like, that was that was really good. That was a good, scary, fun movie. We enjoyed it. It sucked <laughs> that it had the the connections that it did, but we were like, but you know. When all said and done, that was a good movie. <laughs> so how would you how would you compare it to Stephen? How would you compare it to Tim Curry's Pennywise? They were different movies. Uh, one was telling one part of the book because the book is very, 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 very long, and there's things in the book that you just can't film. <laughs> really, this things that happen in the book are so <laughs> way out there that you couldn't do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, the 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 Scarsgard. That's what. I call it the scars part. It was one and the Curry one was another. I mean, you have to remember when Tim Curry did that character, they had to make it a six part miniseries on TV because mm -hmm. it was just so long. And even then it was a different tone. And then these two mm -hmm. movies that came out a couple years ago, that was a different tone. And they took different uh, creative liberties with that, where they were telling different stories with the kids because the story is about the kids and the clown is the, the cat Pennywise is the catalyst. Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, but, but when you see it like that, like a storyteller, like a fan, you know, then it, it takes on a, you, you can approach it differently. And that was kind of our off star challenge was, was, well, how do we, how do we not associate with it? Well, look at the kind of clown that that is, and then 
look at the makeup that you're wearing. Look at the way they're acting, and then what are you doing? So, so really, I mean, it doesn't hurt that we have, you know, acrobats and trapeze artists and elephants. Yeah, that makes it a lot easier to just a clown when you're there. But you know, it's 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 whoever comes to see the show. It's it's, it's going to happen no matter where you go. You deal with with with. Um, I don't want to call them hecklers, but that's what you deal with. You deal with general population. Sometimes people, as a society, they can. They're not always nice, but for every two people that make a show not fun, there's 40 people who are just, man, they make it worth it. Yep. And, um, you know, so whenever you started in Texas and then eventually moved to Vegas and you got to work with all these sort of different people like Circus LA and the Blue Man Group and all sorts of people like that. Um, how did those kinds of experiences prepare you eventually for your role uh, with the Astros? Well, primarily my job in Vegas was uh, at Dick's Flash Resort, where, again, you're, you're a server, but you're also performing because you would walk up to tables and go, all right, what do you want to eat? Yeah, act like you're rude, but really you're just playing this character. Um, everyone had a different shtick. And it's a fun restaurant experience because, you know, uh-huh. people uh-huh. don't go there for 20 bucks for tenders. They go because they want to see you mess with, you know, everybody. Uh-huh. So um, working with people who were there to blame and this is vegas where there's no there's no cutoff on alcohol they're, they're selling at 24 7 people are showing up and they started their party maybe at 8 a.m with something other than alcohol so they're there to they're there to make yeah exactly yeah so so they're already blatantly out there that was was fun because every night I got to I got to get better at improv because you you heard you were either called everything in the book or you heard everything in the book. So when I made my transition to the Astros, well now I'm dealing with baseball fans. Well, there's some baseball fans that aren't always going to be very nice, and ah. there's some baseball there's even more uh-huh. baseball fans that aren't going to be very sober. So people, drunk people, yelling at me uh, in in a very not nice tone, and me making it funny especially after the year 2017 in that industry it it came in very 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 useful Hmm. Uh, i I mean rude baseball fans i'm sure orvin can tell you a lot about that being from boston he can tell you a lot about them red sox fans he can tell you (laughs) uh, uh, 2017 i think i know why yeah, yeah. Say, but before we get well, into that um, stuff, I would love to see a Karen at a Dick's Last Resort. Oh my God. Ah. If someone's ah. watching, whoever's watching, listening, and you know someone that is a Karen, take them to Dick's Last Resort. <laughs> well, I mean, um, you know, they are all going well, you know, with the alcohol, you know, it's interesting because uh, at, at Chuck E. Cheese, they serve alcohol, but of course there's a limit there. You know, yeah. two, there's a two drink limit at Chuck E. Cheese. Okay. After two, you're cut off. But what I've realized working there is that some people can handle alcohol and others can't. And what I've realized is that sometimes they like to make up words and songs. Like, like I, I remember this one time I came out, uh, Chuck E., I'm about to, I'm about to perform. And uh, there's this there's this woman standing there with, with, with a beer cup in her hand, like it's almost empty. And she's yeah. like, hey, it's Chucky, Chucky, look at him dance, 
Chucky, look at him move. So the, she just, I'm like, Whew. Their whole song. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm you, gonna say and, and go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I was just, I was gonna say this could never happen at Chick Fil A. We never said alcohol at Chick Fil A. <laughs> Good, keep it that way. Yeah, well, I mean, there's definitely still, even in the Ringling, we had people who would, again, just show up and they'd be a little too happy to see us. Uh, but but the trick between where I, I would do that and then going to sports entertainment is in sports entertainment, the, the our biggest challenge, my biggest challenge was how do I clap back, but not make them angry? How do I clap back and let them know that? that Orbit and I don't like bullies, but that also that we want to make sure they have a good time while they're at our park. That was our challenge. That was my challenge because I'm the one that can talk, not him. So that was probably my biggest primary job was make sure everyone has a good time, but also let them know that we're not going to take their shit. Just clap back like this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. It's very easy when the team, it's very easy to clap back when the team's winning. You know, my brother went to Dick's Last Resort and didn't know what it was. Someone, he went there like after work on a work trip with his coworkers and nobody knew what it was. And he was, he's pretty sharp and has a short fuse. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't understand why the waiter, waitress, I can't remember, was been such a beep. And by the end of the night, the manager offered him a job because <laughs> I think he made his waitress cry. Well, uh, it takes a certain skill set. And that's the other, even, even at Dick's, people are like, oh, it must be so great to be mean. I'm like, but I'm not mean. We're just being jovial. Now, if you want us to be rude, when people show up, if people are rude, well, then by all means, we're going to be rude back. Again, there, there has to be this very clear level. And this is for mascots, clowns, a server at Dick's, car salesmen, teachers, priests. But every job requires a level of, of, of show business. The ability to make the other person laugh, even if they're trying to screw with you, that's its own skill set. And that, again, that's most jobs. Retail, you deal with that. drive through you deal with that. How do I let this person know that I'm, I don't like them being rude, but I'm going to make sure that we both walk away smiling? That is mm-hmm. the challenge sometimes. See, I can be a nice guy. And, and, and these guys know it. That, that I, I can be a nice guy. And, you know, Astros fans, I know I've, you know, been a little bit mean to you over the years, but I, I, I kind of want to extend an olive branch here, and uh, I, I want to ask you a legit question. Wait, 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 wait. Really? Wait, wait. It's on film. <laughs> How are you guys looking forward to defending your championship with Justin Verlander at the – oh, wait. He went to the best. <laughs> oh, Wait, 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 wait. I'm saying right now, praise the wonderful stories. That did not last long. All jokes aside, um what like I'm still on a circus um feel because like Chris has said, and I confirm it, you all first um guess. That now pretty much represent the circus side. Yeah, I'm more of a performer than I am. I I actually don't know a lot about baseball. So a lot of the when we we dealt with people like Jay, who would 
do say, say like, oh, this and that and that player, it went right over my head. I didn't know what they were talking about. I was too busy doing school shows or uh, doing the actual performances. <laughs> so I say one thing, like for those that know me, I work yeah. in a theme park. I don't say what theme park I work because I don't want people calling me asking me for tickets. Right. Okay. Uh, one of their sister parks is known for having a mime on before Ooh. one of their shows. Oh, right. I remember you told me about this. Okay. Um, yeah. So have you ever seen them perform? I know I'm some of them. The and they are amazing performers. Yes. And, and yes. the reason they're a big deal is because they, they pick really good care and you I, I off off hand if you were to hear like i went to sea world and i saw this great mime those two don't seem like they correlated first but it's become such its own thing and a lot of the a lot of the people that get to be the mime are so good at what they do when it comes to creating moments and making people laugh and doing stuff on the spot that they just they kind of steal the show you know because a lot of my core sea world experiences and friends who work there that i know um, it's kind of like, you know, it's kind of, it's got this like zoo vibe where you go there, you learn about the animals, you see them, you interact with them and it's very educational. It's very fun, but they also have shows, which are pretty cool. But when, when people talk about entertainment, sea world, it usually ends up, they go, Oh, I saw this mime and they made fun of my dad and it was really funny. And we all left laughing and my dad loved it and we had a great moment. So it's, it's usually that, but they, they, I know numerous, uh, performers who have been, the Sea World Mine, and, and it's it's because they're really good at what they do. Uh, it's just, it's great. Like like I said, and again, how everything comes together. Yeah, it so, comes full circle. Right. I had no so, idea wait, wait, they wait, had wait, wait. Sea World. This episode is brought to you by the Sheep Circle. Circle. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'll ask you the same question when you went to your job at the Astros, what was the yep. thing that most surprised you or the thing you felt most unprepared for other than, I guess, the angry, sometimes angry fans? What What was the thing that surprised you the most? Sports in general. I, I, I'm not a sports guy. <laughs> they, I'm, I'm a huge nerd. I, I don't, I don't have, I have little to no background in sports. I, I, I don't, I only know the players because they're plastered all over the walls or because I was told to, you know, be next to them or run past them. I, I didn't, you know, I would walk past MVPs and just go like, oh, it's, but that was also my strength. They wanted people, Orbit wanted someone who could not be distracted on the field or backstage. And that was me. I, I would, I would shove past all two, but I'd be like, watch out, Orbit's coming through. And they'd be like, do you know who you just, and I'm like, I, I don't know who that was, but they were in our way. We, we got to get to our, our skit. And so they, that's kind of what they liked about me is that I didn't really, not that I didn't care. I just, kind of wasn't on my radar you know I, I i would go to the events and i would go to these big prestigious all-star games and it was fun because i got to meet other mascots and get to meet the performers but that's kind of where it ended <laughs> i didn't really i i i there was a joke that they would have about me where where they were like oh oscar likes the astros because he's paid to and he has <laughs> stuff because he's given astro stuff but I grew to like the team on a very personal level because of orbit and the staff and my coworkers, my teammates. Um, but as far as like, you know, the, the culture of sports, I, I, I guess I, I'm not ready to get into a shouting match with anyone over, you know, people that are paid millions of dollars. that don't know who I am <laughs> for, for what they do. It's cool. But I mean, like it kind of stops there. I, I, I'm there to perform. So my, right. my biggest, my biggest, like, Whoa, was like, 
okay, we have to get ready for, you know, all-star game. What's that? Okay. We have to get ready because they're going to start voting for MVPs. Okay. And it was just, again, it became a joke with the office that, that I would go like, all right, guys, we did a home run and I would do a basketball move where I would act like I was golfing. <laughs> like, did we, did we get a checkmate today? Like, third, 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 third so, 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 we go to the scared in third quarter. Like, so I you'd be like I, this. I, Wait, home one touchdown. Yeah, exactly. I would, that was the running joke with Oscar at the Houston Astros. And even with like with other teams, like with Toro and with uh, Diesel from the Dynamo, all the mascots knew that, that like if it's a sports question, don't ask Oscar. If it's about comic books, horror movies, or, or metal bands, ask Oscar. So that was, that just kind of became the running joke. Wait, uh, wait, who, wait, wait, wait you, said, metal like, you said metal bands. Metal bands, who's your favorite? Wait, wait, before he says that. Because you lived in Vegas, Steel yeah. Panthers. Did you ever go so, to their shows? I did. I did. I saw them on Fremont. Mm, me, Green Valley Ranch. Nice. Nice. I'll go to the Green Valley Ranch show. That was my Saturday night. Okay. Nights. Speaking of Oscars, what was, what's it like having Will Smith in your team? Will Smith? Oh, well, huh? No, no. Will Smith. No, 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 not not that Will Smith. Will Smith, as in the I was pitcher say, I who. who uh, <laughs> yeah. I would say the, the Will Smith who who pitched for the Braves who then got traded for the Astros. Well, we have your Jake Odorizzi. <laughs> like you said, he again, I don't. Oh. don't have hey, that's all, all right, Lucas. Kind of don't give a shit. But anyway, uh, Lucas. <laughs> Lucas, when, Lucas, when when my Justin Verlander joke doesn't work, you know that it's, that it's going nowhere. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the Will Smith talk. I don't think I had a blank look on. on my face when he said that because I was like, I, I think I remember Verlander. He threw a ball at me. He threw a ball at me. Well, <laughs> no. it, it almost, it almost, yeah. Orbit, oh, sorry. Man. Orbit did a uh, many segments with Manny Machado. Like, like he would mess with, with uh, Manny Machado, the Baltimore Orioles. So I'm sure you know who that guy was, right? I mean, he <laughs> sounds important. I. <laughs> no, I love Oscar's answer. We're gonna reel it back in here. We're gonna reel it back in. We're gonna take okay. Oscar off the spot with the people wait, in the baseballs. Wait, All right, no. handler. You have years and years of handler experience. Yes. Um, for anyone watching the podcast, I know you know because you looked at my resume. Um, when I applied. So there's people I've applied for an assistant position up here in Texas. Right. There's people that might be watching that are looking to get into the uh, mascot industry and there might be a handler position or an assistant position out there. Uh, can you tell us about what you take away as the most important job of the handler and the skills that the handler, that you know, must, possess, must possess? Like what makes a good handler in your mind as someone who's done it with one of the biggest mascots out there? Well, all over, all um, the way up to the top. I will definitely say I went in going, oh, my responsibilities are going to be this much. And as I got better at what I did because I, I was having a good time, I saw that my responsibilities were actually a lot more. And then after a while, when I would go to all-star games, when I would go to mascot meetups, when I would go to, um, to events where there was other mascots from other sports or other leagues or other teams, they all kind of looked at me like, hey, I, there was one mascot, another mascot from another team that was quoted to have said, how do we get an Oscar? And I tell him, I didn't understand. It was my first year. My second year, I was like, oh, because I thought I was going to go to other teams and meet their me. Come to find out that a full-time assistant slash handler 
that like writes gags and does school shows and does the games and goes and there's not a lot that's very rare i didn't realize i was such a specific tailored specific tailored role so um if you're doing this part-time and you want to do a full-time i would definitely say job number one is you are the eyes and ears of the mascot you're first first and foremost in safety i am here to make sure that he doesn't get pushed downstairs that he doesn't get piled on by kids that is your first job but what you are also doing is you're an extension of orbit or, or an extension of the mascot that you're with you were there to add to the experience you were there to 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 add a human face a human voice a human condition to this thing that doesn't have a human face as we spoke about earlier when there's something that doesn't have a human face it can get a little intense but if you were there to go hey orbit heard that it was your birthday is that true you know have you caught any foul balls yet well just so happens we happen to have one right here that's what you're doing you're adding to the experience so that's your primary job too is you're an extension of that character um and, and whether you put on the suit from time to time or whether you're never in the suit and you're just, you're very much, you're not just the guy who takes pictures or person who takes pictures. You're not just the person who hands out free stuff and swag and throws t-shirts. You're part of the experience. And that that's very much a big responsibility when it comes to the idea that the face of the face of the face, that's you. So safety and security for the character to make sure that everything goes off without a hitch because that's part of the show. And being part of the show those are your responsibilities and that's pretty much what you should be trying to do when you're doing a mascot handler slash assistant job yeah i gotta say like i think you definitely um made something out out, out of yourself as being Obed's handler there's other Thank one you. other person when it comes to houston mm-hmm. area when you think of handlers and that's dominant um yes out. yes Cool guy, right. definitely, definitely a cool guy, and definitely is in his own league in his in his own right, because at least he knows who the players are. <laughs> so, like I'm saying, like he, like, like you be another person that like will love to try to get down the line, just because, like you said, right now we gain it from the from the um, MLB side of it, and yes, MLB, you guys have to do a lot of stuff. You have to be here, get to go to sweeps, get get to the um. Down on the field for a seventh inning stretch. Go over here for a um, dizzy bat wave. Go over here for a... So, right now, again, what it's like to be in a Major League Baseball field. And I'll love to hear what it's like for a handler in the NBA. Because they're two totally different uh, sides of entertainment. Mm-hmm. So. I feel, yeah, and you're right. You're right. It, it's all... It, come, it comes down to the show. And, and whether it was circus or whether it was telling dirty jokes in, on the strip or in front of millions of people at Minute Maid Park. Again, the job is always entertain these people right here, right now. They'll leave with smiles and you will too. Was your, was there someone doing the full-time job when you were part-time or were you the first full-time person? Nope. I was okay. the first full-time person. Other than that, it was Orbit going, all right, we got to go do a wedding. Yeah. Anybody want to follow me around with a bag full of stuff? Oh. <laughs> and after a while imagine. we had birthday parties and school shows saying hey is Orbit coming okay is the guy with the mustache going to be there because he made my kid laugh a lot oh my gosh our, my uncle loved it like we became a duo in that sense we had people asking us specifically spring training are you coming with Oscar that's what the, that's what he got are you coming with Oscar not are, like is Orbit coming like is Orbit coming 
is he coming with Oscar? Okay, cool. We're gonna have a great time. Like, all right, cool. Like, and then, and then, you know, you got to be the the person that they remember. Yeah. I'll, I'll How many people like, are on the team? How many people are on the mascot team, including like all the part time? Like, how many people make up that team? It is, the umbrella. It is orbit. I, I at the time I was uh, I was what they call squad leader because it was me and four other handlers or three other handlers, and so all of us would go because we would form like a full perimeter around orbit to take care of them. And then if we're doing a birthday appearance at someone's seat, it was orbit me. And then we had one guy at the end of the aisle, one guy at the other end of the aisle blocking it off so that while we're saying, Hey, happy birthday, Timmy, we brought you this thing and orbit got you assured while we're doing our whole spiel, no one's coming up and tugging on orbit saying they want an autograph and a photo. And I'm having to beat them off because they're telling me, Hey, can you get orbit over here? Oh my God. It's my kid's birthday also. And so like, and you have to have, your crowd management to a uh, at an olympic level because again you want to say no you have to say no but how do you say no so that they understand that they're leaving with a smile that they're not upset all right. of, all of that is crowd management what are some of your best comebacks like the ones you use the most what are some of your <laughs> uh, well you have to remember bullies are basically scared so they think they're anonymous and that's when they get a lot of their courage so whenever we would have people who would like boo us that were visiting, we'd go to their section. If we're like, if we were hearing boo, we'd go, I'd go, Hey, it was up here. And we'd go straight to their aisle and they would stop. And I go, wow, Warbit, look at that. All the ghosts are gone. No, no, no more boos. <laughs> or or we heard, um, we, we, the, the one we would hear, the one that, that I would kind of get away with. And remember, well, I mean, obviously not with the team anymore. So I can kind of say the things I would kind of um, alleviate stuff that maybe wasn't those was frowned upon uh, to the big wigs. But the thing that we would hear a lot, you know, if we were like uh, around visiting teams or on the visiting site, we would hear cheaters. So we would hear cheetahs. And I would look around and go, no, the cheetahs are a, a football team. The lions are another football team. We're the Astros. Or <laughs> we would hear, uh, or someone, oh, would flat out, someone would flat out in our face yell cheater. And then I would go, wow, I don't see your ex here. So I don't know who you're addressing. And then, uh, or somebody would be like, nice. uh, someone, wow. someone from a, a, a visiting team. Um, let, let's just say they're the, um, I don't know. They were the, the, the uh, well, no, no, I don't want to name a specific team. It, it, was, it was just a team. Let's, let's say they were called the Pigeons. Let's say the Pigeons were visiting. A Pigeons fan in a Pigeons jersey would clearly be like, hey, Where's the trash can? And I would say it's where all the pigeons merchandise is in the garbage because your team sucks. Yeah. So wow. it just oh. so 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 you know, Orga had a, a World Series ring that he would polish whenever people would start talking shit. And that's again, that's what we had to do. But before I left, I would always make it a point to like, all right, are you gonna have fun? Are we cool? Are you gonna be cool? Everyone around here wants to have a good time. You ready? All right, we're gonna walk away now. And then we'd walk away. And most of the time they would mutter something, but it's like, again, all they're doing is proving that they have Police. more cojones when we're not close by. What am I? It's a roast down with Oscar. One of my favorite personal comebacks I remember with one of my handlers, he was absolutely brilliant uh, with what he did. Uh, we were walking by uh, an opposing section and, uh, you know, he was asking me a question of some kind 
and we could hear them, you know, booing in the background. Like, like we hear, we hear the boos already. And, yeah. uh, it, usually the thing is don't pay attention to them, but see, right. I'm, I'm a little bit different. Um, but, uh, so, so he goes and he says, Oh, Hey, it, it looks like cows disagree with us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's one of my favorites. Oh, I can't ignore for about twice, but when they start to get, cause I don't care what they call us. It's when they mess with our fans, when they mess with people, it's like, right. guys, don't, don't mess with those are kids right. or those are families, you know, like that's when I start. That's when Orbit and I would engage. If they were telling us stuff, whatever. If they were interrupting the game or disturbing the fans, that's when we had a problem with it because it's like, okay, we're, we're the whipping boys. We are the clowns. You were supposed to throw stuff at us. You're not supposed to mess with our fans. That's different. Yep. So, yep. so there was a deep moral obligation to screwing with people. <laughs> then, yeah, then don't, we there was like a don't, honor system. Don't mess with a kid. Like, that, that, yeah. that's just not when it's just not cool to mess with the kid like if anything i I use the kid as adulation you know in in my skit like i would actually you know raise uh, you know the kid up like i would go to an opposing section full of opposing fans and then i would find a kid in like my team's jersey and i would hold him up you know for the crowd to you know like you know cheer so i would you know bring a little bit of positivity into it yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I would only do it if it's a kid, you know, just so that, you know, make them feel good. But um, I had a little bit of a question for you. Um, is uh, being a mascot handler something you desire to do again? It would it would have to be. The, here's the thing. A lot of people ask me why I split. And it, the truth is, it's not just one answer. It's, it's, it's It was a factor of things. It was I sat on it for a year. Uh, before I left um, and it wasn't so much like I don't like this job it was just like there's things I can't do there there's you know we were the victim of our own success because we never had time to ourselves we were crazy busy I, when I told you that I got one day off for every two weeks that was the schedule we we, we worked non-stop um, so so would I do it again totally I would I would love to do it again but it would have to be under so many different conditions you know um, how often am I doing it is it in the right city? Um, what, what's, what, how's, how is, how is the mascot? Cause I'm going to be working with that person. Are they easy to work with? Are they creative? Um, so there's so many factors, but I also have no other base to go off of other than the short time that I was with the Spurs coyote and my five years at the Astros. That's all I have to go off of. So, I mean, if, if a team were to call me and be like, we'll pay you this much, we'll give you this much time off. I would still be scratching my head because I go, well, I don't know what it's like there you know it, it's just not a lot um information to go off of what i'd like to do so, again the short answer is yes but i i would have a lot of questions so you definitely would want a more chill and relaxed and you know fun environment yes because that was the other thing that to crystal's to crystal's question earlier another thing that took me by surprise was and again if there's any handlers listening or any people who want to be handlers this is the other thing that took me up that threw me off and this is just for me was the corporate side of it I wasn't expecting, I'm not a computer guy. I'm not an email guy. I'm not a meetings guy. So that took me by surprise also. I wasn't prepared for a lot of that. And I tried to learn and I had a great support system, but it's just, you can't teach a fish how to fly. Like I just, I'm not that guy. Now, if you want me to do 15 shows a week and you want me to like, you know, uh, if you want to set me on fire, if you want me to juggle axes, if you want me to put stuff up my nose, I'm game. But if you want me to do a spreadsheet, I, I'm, I'm good. The, the, the office will be set on fire somehow. I'm going to screw it up. 
So I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I know my strengths and I just stick to them. <laughs> so definitely do it again, chill and relaxed environment. Got it. But uh, Oscar, my follow-up question is, do you like kangaroos? Kangaroos can't jump backwards, so I can't trust them. You can't trust kangaroos. <laughs> they, can't, they can't jump backwards. Can't jump backwards. Okay. Yeah. And, and this one might okay. be able to. <laughs> I'm not. I am not going to uh, comment okay. on that one. I like. I. Are you trying to offer him a a handler position job? No, no. I'm. I'm. I'm just asking if you like kangaroos. Yeah. So I'm asking. I, 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 I. I don't know if it was prepared for me to have an actual answer. Also, I can't see you, JBM. I don't know if your camera's off. Oh, so I don't. I, know, know, I didn't know so if you had a. I didn't know if you had a visual light when you asked that question. There no, you are. No, my camera's off. <laughs> <laughs> no, your camera was off. <laughs> do you want to do you want to talk about your new projects or? My new project is a bunch of different stuff. Uh, I'm back on the Riverwalk. I'm back at Dick's, which is kind of like my my secondary circus. Um, I'm back here at Dick's in the Riverwalk because uh, I'm also allowing myself the space to do other things like independent shows um I, i'm already booked for a renaissance festival i'm already booked for a wild west show i'm already booked for a uh adult summer camp like a grown-up summer camp for like a, a, a google-like company that i i don't think i can say what name it is but it's like a big company that has like a summer camp they want me to come by and teach everyone how to juggle and do you know a foul casino and do close-up magic and i might be working with some circuses that tour but what I really want to do before the year is over is I want to get into hospital clowning. I really want to do pediatrics and really perform for kids and really get into hospitals and just make people laugh. So you're going to be the Patch Adams. <laughs> that route. That yeah, mo- yeah that movie. That so I know it's, and I also you told us you worked with, 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 with NASA. You did some projects for that. It was, it was a holiday gig. It was like for one month <laughs> that I was part of uh, Even so, a gig's a gig. Yeah, yeah. It is uh, nice to have NASA and the Astros on your resume. Performing uh, in, in, in hospitals, Charlie, our, our buddy uh, Ollie the Otter is familiar with doing that, isn't he? Oh, cool. Uh, uh, Ollie. Mm-hmm. Ollie the Otter is one. We have um, uh, Mask and Miracle. Um, Mask and Miracle. As well. We also had a uh, Mascot with- Circus on. Without um, oh my god, why am I blanking on on, on the on their character's name? And I, I don't know who it is, but I think I know the, the I think one guy we had earlier. We it was it was part of a group called Mascot Circus, I think. I'm gonna say um, yeah, there was a mascot uh, okay. Felix Falcon. Yeah, another one that, uh, in Utah that goes cool. to children's hospitals. You yeah. did hospitals with the circus prior, though, didn't you? In your clown years. With Ringling, we did the occasional hospital visit, and it was down to me and one other clown who would do it because it was it, it is very tough work. It, it's not easy to go to a hospital, be funny, and then walk into a room and see a kid with wires coming out of him hooked up to a machine. And he's looking at they're looking at you like, "Oh, you're here," and you have to with a straight face, or not a straight face, but you have to just bring joy and not crack under the pressure of seeing a little kid um, in a lot of pain. And looking at you because they know that you're the one that's going to make them laugh a little bit. And that's your job. Again, 
entertain these people right here, right now. That's the job. And um, I found a very fulfilling joy out of it. So I wanted to pursue it because, I mean, where else do you go after you win the World Series? You, you do the fulfilling job. Yeah. That's really nice. And you already have a connection to, to be able to do that. There's definitely uh, friends I have and comrades I have connection. who do hospital work. So they're kind of like, and none here in San Antonio, but there I have friends who are in the Laughter League, um, uh, which are a, a group of people. There's I have friends who are involved with the um, the Big Apple Circus, Big Apple Circus Clown Care Unit um, out of New York. So I have people who I'm drawing a lot of resources from, but it's going to be one of those things that I want to really take my time doing it because I, I just got back to San Antonio about a month ago. So still relocating and everything. Sure. Okay, so network, if anyone is in the San Antonio area or knows someone in the San Antonio area, they could lead <laughs> into up. that, yeah. send a message to us and we'll pass the information along. Let's, let's use this network. It's happened before. Crazy things come out of this network. Yeah. Um, crazy connections, you know. Uh, did you, did you unpack the ring yet? Say again? Did you unpack the ring yet? I haven't got my World Series ring yet. We get it in March because uh, there's a lot to make and there's a lot of diamonds to put in those, so they take their time. When you get it, you'll have to send us a picture. Yeah, JBM's going to need those sunglasses because it's going to get really shiny. And I was told we had to roast you a little bit, so I'm just, I'm just getting, I'm sprinkling that throughout the interview. I, I love it. I love it. Like I said, I was speaking of Speaking of yeah. um, on the 17th, Friday night, um, for those that do um, follow social media page, you know, on Friday nights, usually we have Hangout with Chess and Hooks. With Chess and Hooks is an add on to our show, where um, my character, um, Jazz, a party gorilla, and Lucas's character, Hooks Gamer, they just hang out and make shenanigans for like an hour on Instagram. Right. But on the 17th, we're not going to be doing that. On the 17th, you can join us right here on Twitch. Or, or, or you can join us on Twitch. It's going to be a one night only, intended for mature audiences. And it's in honor of Joseph's 21st birthday. Yeah. We're going to be doing the roast of Joseph. And our host, our roast master, is the one and only Bishop. Oh, oh man. Bishop Green. Oscar. Oh, man, I'm in trouble. Although, to be fair, Oscar is a really good roaster as well, so you can add him in. <laughs> so. You can use me for sound bites. Oh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. Yes. Sound bites. So, surprise, Joseph. Bishop's leading, he, leading everybody. He is going <laughs> to be insufferable as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, especially because they're in Super Bowl. He's going to be insufferable, man. <laughs> I hate so, it. I hate it so much. Wait, where, Eagles like, where, where is Marty Monster? We need to need his. Here comes. Here comes the plugs. <laughs> <laughs> here come the plugs. So, but no matter what happens, no matter how bad they roast me, folks, just remember this one thing: they still Cowboys. They still got a Super Bowl. Hey, they still got a fucking Super Bowl. Hey, hey, going to Super Bowl, okay? You're saying that, buddy. <laughs> we'll yeah. see. We'll... Yeah, let me see. Um, well, like, I know, like I said, like, I'll say it a million times. Yeah. That, um, 
your all your your old boss was my mentor. Like I've learned right. so much from him down here in South Florida. It's South Florida. Um and uh, we are gonna uh, go to J and B's signature question very soon, but I'm going to steal this one real quick. If you could say anything to him, because I don't think he, I don't think um, Obit has outed himself as a performer. Right. Um, he may have, but I'm playing it safe. Yeah. If you could say one thing to him. What would it be? Because I know your farewell night, your farewell party was insane. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> it was. <laughs> well, he wasn't more of a, he wasn't so much of a boss. He was definitely more of a, of a teammate. He was, he always made me feel like an equal. Um, and he definitely, I learned a lot from him, but he, he was very um, transparent that he learned a lot from me. Um, he definitely, uh, I think one of the things he said before I left was that, uh, that I left big shoes to fill and not just because I'm a clown. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, if I if say anything to him, I mean, him and I still talk, <laughs> but uh, it, it was definitely the thing that I would love for the community to know is that he, uh, he made it very well known that, that how valued I was. So that was the nicest thing. It was before I left, it wasn't just a, it wasn't just the job. It was very much uh, uh, a way of life friendship because when you perform full-time that's who you are when you put on the suit it's you times a thousand so for someone who didn't put on the suit and that was my way of life it felt like a uh, hundred miles per hour every day and it was great i do have one random question to ask yes um, if for, if you had to get orbit into a circus act what would it be and just what what would it be and why if you were to somehow get Orbit into Wrigley Brothers or any circus. Oh, it's easy. He'd be a clown. He'd be a wonderful clown. And I'm not just talking out of the suit. I mean, like, in the suit, too. Even in that suit, I, there's not... I, he emotes so well that in and out of the suit, he'd be an amazing clown. Um, wouldn't be the best ringmaster because, you know, when you're Orbit, you can't talk. Uh, and as far Imagine. as Japanese... As far as trapeze, orbit being on trapeze, there's a weight limit uh, to that rope. So um, definitely a clown. All right, double prize in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm sure you might look like a very tasty morsel to the uh, the tigers. A lot of meat. That's a lot of weird meat just running around the <laughs> ring. Yeah, I'm going to say, I. Well, I I know we were, talk we were talking about um, net networking, yes, and all that stuff. And I, I think I heard you did a virtual chat with high higher impact mascot camp. Yes, okay. I also help higher impact out of San Antonio, Texas. Uh, they're a great company. Uh, they have a background also in years and years of mascotting. So when so that school has become almost very prestigious in terms of yeah, um, it, it, going there for mascotting very very prestigious yeah it is true because one of all man mentees mm -hmm. tyler was at it this yeah. year oh and cool. he says hi oh <laughs> did they get the belt uh, i don't think he did it was, it was oh, he's only been mascotting for a while so okay he, he's 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 in his rookie year okay and he and he made it with a big team Nice. 
We're very proud uh, of him. And he is going back to higher impact again this next year. And he said that the what he gained there was invaluable and enough so that he's going back for a second year um, again. Uh, and he is not near Texas at all. I've definitely oh helped teach some of those uh, mascot boot camps. And uh, I, I've definitely done, I've definitely tried to do my fair share of like giving back to that community by, by doing those, but man, oh man, like, there's just some great teachers and instructors at, at, at those events. But if you do, if you do plan to, if you're listening, and you do plan to go to one. I, I, I will, I'm not in the San Antonio area and I'll either be helping be an instructor or if you need help, they have my contact info. Yeah. Because the thing is this, like there was plenty of them. You have in-person like mascot camps camps, which is a high impact. You have David Raymond's mascot boot camp. By the way, happy birthday to David Raymond on time of recording. Hey, happy birthday. Birthday, so, man. I know there's a lot of anniversaries today, time of recording. <laughs> Sweet characters, AKA mascot you. Mm -hmm. Sweet characters, happy 36th anniversary. Yep. So then you have Keystone mascot. Um, they have a, a, they have a camp. Like there's so many of them out there that you can learn from so many different people. Yeah, and they all, and they all, have they all specialize different, in different things. Right, different, but different specialties. And of course, if, if you're in college, you have the UCAs uh, and the NCA mascot camps. Yep. So there's a lot of camps. We highly recommend that you guys go to them, check them out. Um, I know I thought about starting one. So. I know Joseph said he wants to start one, one as, as well. Cool. So, so maybe we'll start one down the line. You're not quite sure, but this think of this podcast as a mascot camp because we want to try we want, we want to inspire people on sure. the podcast. That's great. So, and, 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 and inspire and hope people want to become a mascot and maybe help them get better. So, I was just well, saying mascot camp means a. Um, NPR, but much better. <laughs> well, <laughs> mascot, like, like clowning, there's so many things you can draw from. Um, so it's, it, I'm glad that there's something like this podcast that can have performers from different walks that can contribute and vice versa, because it, it really takes so many kinds of wonderful talent to make so many wonderful things happen. So the more you know, the better. Again, just hey, to me, said, you, said NPR, you said NPR. You said NPR. So this tonight's episode is brought to you by, <laughs> by clouds. Very so no, no, but we're gonna talk very softly. It's like NPR, NPR. We talk so softly, and then you want to fall asleep. That's just well, yeah, we that's are the complete that opposite. That no, no one knows that at all. <laughs> Look at this but, guy right here, man. Okay, uh, Joseph, so, go ahead, wrap it up. Yeah. So uh, first of all, Charlie, you know, doing a uh, mascot camp. I mean. There's anyone I would love to do a mascot camp, it'd be with you because honestly, I mean, uh, having you as my mentor, I, I've already learned a lot from you. And, you know, getting to have that type of experience with you would be absolutely incredible. You know, I like I, I said on many occasions, man, I owe my career and everything to you. So thank you, Charlie, for real, like having me on this podcast and everything. So, um, but I'm going to uh, get the signature question. Um, Oscar, if you had to uh, say one thing, to your family, your friends, 
coworkers, all the people you've worked with at the circus, all the people that you've worked with at the Astros, mm-hmm. Mega Strip in Texas, just all the people that have helped you get to this point in your right. career, all the fans you met. If you had to say one thing, what would it be? Thank you for letting me be part of your story. Ooh, I like that. There you go. So with that being said, hey, Crystal, you didn't ask your signature question. I did, but I can ask it again. I can ask it the way I normally do it. Sure. I asked it kind of when we were talking about yeah. skills for handlers. So my signature thing is if you could create a degree program called mascotting or clowning or whatever what classes would you include in that degree program Uh, how to communicate how to feel how to empathize and how to perpetuate happiness those would be the classes i would give awesome i take like that i like that so with that, hey, Irving, you didn't ask, ask a question. Oh, okay. Um, and what should I ask? There's so many things. Um, so I guess I can ask for the all-star game. Um, how is it working with those guys, you know? Um, oh, it was so cool. Like, going to all-star game was an experience in itself because yeah. we were in a market that wasn't ours. Um, Astros weren't very popular at the time for a lot of different reasons so a lot of our skills and our patients were tested but when i say that there was no more support a bigger supportive group at that event than the other mascots man oh man like it was so beautiful to see everyone pull together and just to to have everyone out of costume just sitting around laughing joking trading stories catching up and i looked around i remember i had i guess i must have a look on my face because orbit was like is, are you are you taken aback by all this? And I went, this is just like the clown alley. I go, this is just like being backstage and seeing all, like everyone putting on their makeup in front of their trunks, getting ready for showtime, um, kind of making each other laugh before we make everyone out there laugh. It was so reminiscent of that. So that's what it felt like. It felt like just a different circus <laughs> um, for me. That was for me because that was what I base all of my my um, my experience off of because it was so um iconic in my life but uh so to be around other mascots was very cool because you have to remember mascots are a clown of one in a circus of players and and rallies and also you're like an alley of one um so when everyone gets together you can see and feel the excitement of of being enthusiastic because you're around comrades not not and i always say that comrades and teammates there are they are so important family eh, you know family comes in you know but you, you kind of pick your family as you get older because maybe you don't get along with your family friends friends come and go also there's friends that will be very close to you and then they walk their path and you walk your path but teammates are different teammates even if you don't like each other you are there for a common goal you believe in the same thing that's why you're both there so you'll either be very close or you'll be forced to get it very close you either get along or you you get along and, and so so to see so many people with that spirit of being teammates and comrades that was uh, what what kind of um that was very surreal for me especially for a guy who doesn't again not a sports guy 
So to feel welcomed into this place where they knew that like, you know, that I didn't have to know who, how, how, how everyone's team was doing or what player got traded in whose team. And we didn't talk about that to just sit down and then start chatting about star Wars was the coolest thing when just to like have fun and talk and, and, and laugh and talk Heavy about the mask, deepest stuff like, that night. A lot of mascot um, performance like Star Wars. Like you yeah. stuff in, in, in skits. Yeah. If had some people from Star Wars are mascot performers. I mean, heck, check, <laughs> I mean, heck you're just, take a look, yeah, take a look at Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, are you guys Star Wars fans? Is everyone here Star Wars fans? I have, I love Star Wars. Cool. No, so. not really. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I've seen the films, but I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a fanatic or anything. Uh, wait, am, am I a fan of um, Galaxy Edge? Yes. Yeah. Hopefully, I go this year. I want. I'm more of a, I'm, I'm more of a DC kind of guy. Really. Mm-hmm. I'm a Marvel uh, guy. Let's see. Um, Star Wars, Marvel, Marvel, Disney, Nickelodeon, anything that involves anything that involves like pop culture from like early two thousands onwards. And here's the thing that I've learned: when you're a performer, everything is homework. Being a nerd about something, being being in a very enthusiastically geeky about stuff, that's like homework because you get to draw from those experiences. It's important that we have undigested experiences so that we can relay those to to the people. So so I always tell people when people are like, "How do you get funny?" I'm like, "Do the things you love. You you will become funny to the person that find you funny. But do the things you love. Like be be excited about things that make you happy." It seems so elementary, but some people a lot that back or society has a stigma about that. Do the things that make you happy. They're going to make you a better performer. And you know what? I think that's a great message to end this um, episode. Yeah. So with that, with, with that being said, guys, thank you so much um, for um, sticking with us. Um, I don't know how many episodes we're at in total now. It's we're almost at the year mark of the beginning of a podcasting. So, uh, on, on, on my behalf. On Crystals, Irving, Lucas, Matt, and Marty Monster. Unfortunately, um, Matt and Marty Monster couldn't join us um, um, this evening. Uh, and of course, I hate to say this, it makes me um, sick to my guts. And the OIW Podcast Network, WrestleRage Champion, JMB. Thank you guys so much for. Um, for um, listening, enjoying this podcast, and make sure you guys check out the OIW Podcast Network, all the great shows that they have. Of course, I'm spawning in right now. I'm taking my title back in a few weeks. So, you, no debate no, right now. Gonna, because You're going to be stuck with your boy, Nick Aldis. And- that's what you get, because you're saving that for later. So thank you guys so much. And we'll see you you guys on the next furious and fuzziest adventure. And have a good night.